Let me just say this. I'm so thankful to be a lead pastor uh, here. I'm so thankful to uh, be connected to all of you. And even in the chaos of that, uh, I I love that. I love that that's just kind of who we are. It doesn't have to be formal or anything like that. We are just uh, people who are trying to learn together what it means to follow Jesus. And so um, we're we're into the chaotic, and that's that's good. Uh, But really, one reason I'm so thankful uh, to be here is because of who we are and who we are becoming. Who we are and who we are becoming. We've been looking at our core values over the last several weeks. Uh, Maybe you've heard the saying, if you cut me, I would bleed. You would fill in the blank. If you cut me, I would bleed. And some people would say, I would bleed cardinal red, right? A lot of you would bleed cardinal red. A lot of you, being Mother's Day, a lot of you would say, look, I bleed my kids. If you were to cut me, I, I bleed my kids. Your job your hobbies, if we were to cut you, you would say, that's what I, I bleed. Uh, maybe your favorite food, maybe it's cheesecake. Hopefully uh, that's not what we would, uh, you would bleed if we cut you, but, but there's something that if we cut you, you would bleed. And really what that just means is that's what's most important. Whatever's most important to you, if we were to cut you, that's what you would bleed. I think if you were to cut us as a church, as a group of people, this is hopefully what we would bleed. These things that we've been, we've been talking about. So week one, we talked about how we find our identity in God alone. God simply tells us who we are. In the very beginning, God has put his thumbprint on us, that we are created in his image, that his imprint is, is on us. Not just a reflection in a mirror, but he's had his hand on us. Uh, now, many of us live into this, but a lot of us don't. And so a lot of us trying to find our identity We'll find it in so many other things, right? Who, who we are and who we aren't, uh, what we're good at, the mistakes we've made. There's something that will often say, that's who I am. But, but we want people to see that we find our identity in God alone as dearly loved uh, children. Uh, then week two over here with the arrow, we talked about how we, we believe that we're all about helping people take their next step in following Jesus, uh, no matter where you're at. If you're in here today and you would say, you know what, I don't think I even believe in God, that's okay. We're just wanting to help you take that next step and begin to even maybe question that there is someone who has created us and is intimately involved with us. Then there's some of you who have been traveling this journey around the process for a long time. We still are hoping you are taking a step closer to Jesus. So no matter where you're at, we we hope you're all moving in that direction uh, of Jesus. And then last week, we talked about this idea that loved people love people. Loved people, love people. If you have been loved, then our response is to love in return. And we talked about the story about a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and if you don't know this, a tax collector was kind of the worst of the worst. People hated the tax collectors. They were traitors, so they were stealing from their own people, and they were funding this evil Roman empire. And so people hated him. So Zacchaeus is probably a guy that no one's talked to in a while. His own family has probably despised him and want nothing to do with him. He has no friends, nobody. He's completely alone. I didn't point this out last week, but it also calls him, if you know the song, they call him a a wee little man. He was short, and so he may even held that against people. He kind of had this complex because he was little. And so he had something to prove about himself. So he hears about this Jesus. He climbs a tree because he just simply wants to see Jesus. Right? And Jesus comes along and Jesus sees him. And he calls him out and he says, I want to be with you. 
I want to be with you. And everyone goes crazy. Who, who is Jesus that he would go and be a guest of someone like that? And in response to that, Zacchaeus changes. He begins to say, look, I'm going to give half of what I have away to the poor. Anyone I've cheated, I'm going to pay four times what I took from them. There's this response that Zacchaeus has to Jesus' love. And so we want to be a church that loves people, all people. We want this to be a place that it doesn't matter what your income looks like. It doesn't matter how poor you are or how rich you are. We want everyone here. Uh, I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care if you're white, 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 right? If you're brown, dark brown, black, it doesn't matter. And i got to be honest, as, as the one who is leading here, uh, we are going to be a diverse church. We, we are going to uh, look like our community, not because of who we're going to change to become, but because we're going to love people and we want everyone to experience God's love. And so we want this to reflect who, who God is. And so we, we love that we are diverse and becoming more and more diverse. That matters to us. That matters. And so that, that doesn't matter uh, what, what, what you look like. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter uh, if you're an addict. It doesn't matter. Whatever those things are, we want you here. We want you with us. And then our response as a group of people, as a church, is to love people. Love is what changes people. Love and love alone. And so here's what I love about this. Is I ended last week and I basically said, look, we want to be all in with this. And the response I had from so many of you, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. So many of you, you're in. You're in. That This is who we want to be, and that makes me really, really excited. So this week, core value number four, core value number four is we are spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. Uh, let me back up just a second. If you've missed any of these weeks, you can listen to them online. Uh, I would love for you to go back and just hear this because, again, this is who we are. These are the values that we are going to hold dear to, so I would love for you to know what, what those are. Our website is stltrinitychurch.net, and so you can go on and listen to, uh, to all these messages. Would you pray with me? God, as we uh, look at this fourth core value, would you speak to us and would you challenge us today? Would you help us to see that there is a better way to do life? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So consumerism. Consumerism is a major issue, I believe, problem in our, our culture. It's this idea that we always need more, we always need better, we always need newer. And i got to be honest, I'll be the first to say I give into it often. I give it into it a lot. But we have to admit that it is a problem. Uh, if you're like me, you spend every day deciding what you want and would, what would make uh, you the most pleased, right? If you're like me, we spend a lot of our days saying, what do I want and what is going to be most pleasing to me? Uh, all you have to do is kind of look at what you do through a day. So clothing, clothing. Uh, if, if you're like me, you go to a closet full of clothes and if you've ever said, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing to wear. Maybe that's just females. I'm, I don't do that. I don't do that. Um, I don't, yeah. Okay, so uh, food. <laughs> food. Uh, we, we become consumers when it comes to food, right? Not, not that we just need to eat to, to give us what we need, uh, but we want to eat. 
We, we want to eat, and we want to eat more and more. And many of us eat just to eat, right? And again, if you're like me, you've gone to a refrigerator or a pantry, and you've said, there's nothing to eat when there is a lot to eat. Some of you maybe would say there is not a lot to eat, and there, there may not be. And so a little side note here, uh, we have a food pantry, and uh, we would love to be able to help you if you need food. If you know someone who needs food, would you let them know that we, we have that? It is stocked and ready to be taken. And so you can set up an appointment, you can stop by the church office, you can share that with whoever needs it. Uh, but if you are one of those people who literally really needs food, uh, please, please use that. Uh, I, I remember in, in college I worked at Applebee's. If you've ever worked in retail or if you've, you've ever waited tables, uh, you are faced with these people who are all about themselves, right? And if you don't meet every need when they want it to be met, uh, people aren't happy, right? We pay for that, and so we have this expectation in return. And so it acts itself out there. Uh, moms, you know about this. Uh, you, you know what it's like to be uh, a sole contributor and everyone else uh, to be consumers. And uh, the main way I know this is because when I lived, uh, when I was in college and I lived in the dorms, I lived with freshmen for three years, okay? And so freshmen would come and they would have never done laundry, Ever. And so we, we would meet in these rooms, and I have to admit, I was one of those freshmen. I had never done my own laundry because mom had taken care of me. And so I see them. Students get there. Their, their rooms are a mess. Mom's no longer there to take care of them, right? And so their rooms are a mess, and they eat ramen noodles. That's it, because that's all they can figure out how to, how to make. Because they've lived and they've grown up, many of us, with a mom who has taken care of them. And so for a lot of us, we get out of the house, and we have to begin to figure out how to do life. There are so many things around us. We just consume and consume and consume. Uh, advertising, the, the statistics say you'll see 3,000 ads every day. 3,000 ads every day. Just listen to the amount of money that's spent in advertisement. Uh, the 10th the most is Walmart, which spends $690 million in advertising. $690 million. If we go to the fifth most, it's Geico, Geico spends $921 million. McDonald's is fourth at $957 million. Chevrolet, $958 million in advertising. Uh, Verizon, Verizon, $1.4 billion. $1.4 billion. And AT&T is almost $1.6 billion spent in advertising yearly. Yearly. Now, why do they do that? Why do they do that? Because they have a product that they're selling you. But they're not just wanting you to buy once, are they? It's this, it's this lifelong loyalty to a company. And so they understand that it's worth it. It's worth it to spend this money because they know that we are going to consume the product that they're putting out. But what happens the first time we become displeased with the product? Uh, we get treated poorly. What do we do? We just move on to the next product. Right? We're like, oh, yeah, I remember the Verizon ad because it's always on. And so I'll drop AT&T and I'll go to Verizon. I'll go to the next thing. And so really, for most of us, we are consumers first and foremost. So it shouldn't surprise us that consumerism has crept into Christianity. That shouldn't surprise us. 
Uh, Here's the definition of consumer Christianity. It says this, it is the worship of a false god. The emphasis is based on how one benefits from his or her spiritual involvement. One bases their decisions on where to worship and how much they commit in the way of time and resources on what benefits them the most personally. Ultimately, our selfishness and consumeristic mindset plays itself out on what our worship experience looks like. Right? So it, it shouldn't surprise us that that creeps in and that, that we have to push back against this idea that following Jesus is just about consuming what Jesus has for us. And there's this invitation to also contribute. And so we have to fight back against it. The subtext, kind of to this core value, we have a little more information. This is what this one says. We see the church as a battleship, not a cruise ship. We see the church as a battleship and not a cruise ship. This means that each of us play a role in what God is calling us to do. The church, the people who follow Jesus, does not exist simply to meet our own needs, but it exists for the world. Right, so we, we don't think that what we're doing here should model that of a cruise ship, but be more like that of a battleship. So just let, let's quickly, let's kind of look at that. Uh, a cruise ship, it's all about the passengers. Yeah. Completely about uh, the passengers and their experience. A battleship, those who are on a battleship, it's all about the mission. It's all about the mission. The next one. Uh, payment is made for a temporary experience. So I pay money. I experience it temporarily, and then I go back to whatever I'm, I'm doing. On a battleship, there's this commit to the ride for an extended time. It's not short. A cruise ship, it's this temporary happiness. You have to get off the boat, and you come back to real life, right? Uh, the battleship, people find joy in finishing, finishing whatever the mission is. On a cruise ship, the, the service is judged good or bad. Good or bad, you leave a meal, that was really good. You need, you know, every, every time you eat, uh, every time they, they offer something, you, you judge it good or bad. A battleship, there are sacrifices that are made for the mission. A cruise ship meets needs. A battleship, people are equipped to serve. A cruise ship, you are there for the ride, and that's basically it. You're, you're along for the ride. A battleship, you are part of the ride. On a cruise ship, you may make these temporary friendships. You meet someone from around the country, around the world. You get to know them. You spend the week with them. You get off the boat. Maybe you stay in touch, but maybe not. But on a battleship, there's these lifelong friendships that are made. You become family. And so our thought is, we don't want to just be a cruise ship. We want to see what's happening here like that of a battleship. I hope what you're, you're catching, uh, I hope that you see that there's a better way. That there's a better way for you and there's a better way for me to do what we call church. I mean, if we're honest, and I push that a lot, many of us walk into a space like this. We sit here for an hour and 15 minutes, even the way it's set up, right? It's set up, you come and you sit, you're an audience, something happens here, you leave. And for many people, we'll go eat and we'll have a conversation about what we just experienced. I don't really like that song. Or the music's really too loud today. You know what? I don't feel like the music was loud enough. Right? So there's all these conversations that, that we have about the music. And then we have a conversation about what I say. Maybe I went too long. Maybe I didn't go long enough. That probably never happens. But um, <laughs> he was funny. He told good stories. Oh, that, 
that helped me. And so we, we leave and we begin to, to criticize what happens on a Sunday morning. We have this conversation that, that happens. And look, I do it too. I do it too. I just went to a conference about a week ago in Orlando. And I, and I walk onto the property of this huge church, Orlando First Baptist Church. And there, our, our sanctuary, our building would fit into their sanctuary. Right? The, the conference was for 5,500 people, and it didn't fill their, their auditorium. Right? And so I get in there, and I begin to critique the building even. I, I critique the, what, what they have or what they don't have. And the band comes up and plays. I'm like, man, this song's old. I don't like this song. Right? Or they play a song that I really like. I'm like, right, I'm into this one. The person gets up and speaks, and I, and I leave, and I, and I critique. Right? It, I, I do it too. And the reason we do it is because we have, we're consumers. We're consumers. And so almost everything we do is that mentality. And so it often creeps into the church. And so we, we step into a place like this and we, we judge and we, we, we ask, what do they have for me? What, what does the kids program look like? What, what does it look like for students? Or what do they have for me? Now let me say this. All that is really important. We want everything that happens up here to be done with excellence. We want to use our abilities and our talents, and we want to help people. What we often talk about before a service is we want to help everyone encounter this love of God. So we pray against any barrier that would happen to keep people from experiencing the love of God. So, so we care about that. I'll tell you what, Lisa, who is out here, cares about what happens with our children. We, we care about that. We want to provide something that is great for our children and Justin's doing a great job with our students and so all of that matters all of that matters for a purpose not simply just to meet a few needs that we have or that people have there's a purpose behind what we do however if we enter this space every week just with this mindset of entertain me then we're missing it we're missing what the point of of Jesus is now here is the great thing that, that isn't really, uh, I don't believe, a lot of people here. I think there has been a buy-in from a majority of people in this place. Yeah. A lot of pastors will talk about this 20% does 80% of the, the things, the work in the church. 20% does 80% of, of the work. And so this last week, I looked at all of our volunteers who volunteer regularly on a monthly uh, schedule, and we're more at 40%, yeah. almost half. Almost half of the people who call Trinity their, their home are not seeing it as just something they consume, but they contribute. And I love it. It's, it's incredible. So we, we, every week, there are roughly 40 people. This is just on a Sunday morning, 40 people who serve this morning. So we have our people who are up here, and, and what you don't know is they, they practice on Wednesdays, and they practice on Sundays, and they practice on their own, and we have a tech team that is here and, and helps, and they, they give their time and energy to that. Uh, we have, as you saw, all of our kids who come out here, and so we have people in our nursery who just love our little kids. They teach them about Jesus, and they give their time to them. We have Lisa upstairs who, who is serving, and there's a group of people who help her. We have a team called Guest Relations, and so if any of you enjoyed a cup of coffee this morning, uh, that happened because we have a high school student who walks here every Sunday morning and gets that ready for us. 
Blessing, yes. Listen, listen, hold on. Nobody, nobody asked him to do it. Yeah. Right? But but Vince, yep. but Vince wanted to be a part of what was going on here. And so he stepped up and he started to serve. So he walks. Snow, rain, Vince, Vince walks. Because look, listen. Vince has got it right now as a high schooler that this isn't just something he comes and consumes, but he's contributing to what happens, even simply by making a cup of coffee. We have people who stand at the doors and they, they greet you, hopefully in a friendly way when you walk into uh, to our building, but, but they, they come early and they're here to greet people. We, 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 we receive an offering every week. I don't know, you know what we do with that, but we have a group of people who miss a majority of the service to go back and, and take care of that. So, so they're... They're doing something and they're, they're serving. We have, uh, on the mornings, uh, before everything else happens, we have people who come and, and are teaching people the Bible. So there's all kinds of people who serve. And that doesn't even count what happens during the week. That doesn't, have, that doesn't count our Wednesday night blast. So we have a lot of people who come and, and work with our children and the gathering, the, the number of, of adults. And we have a lot of people who have, who have done that for 15 plus years, who every Wednesday are here and they're loving students. Why? Because they, they've gotten it. They, they understand that, that we're not called just to be consumers, but contributors to what God is doing. Then we have a group of people who came uh, the last couple of weeks, and they've done landscaping. Right? And so they've been here, and they've trimmed our bushes, and a couple of them as hearts, and they look very nice. Uh, but they trimmed our bushes and planted flowers, and, and they're taking care of our, our property to make it look nice. So when people enter our property, it, it looks nice. And so they have done that, and, and they do that on their own Time. We have people who do graphic design and our website. We have people who give their time and energy to our, our men and women's ministry. We have a ton of people. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that so many people contribute to what's happening. There's a large number of people who have, who have gotten it. And here's the deal. We want everyone to. We want everyone to understand that they have an invitation to participate. All of us have an invitation to to participate. It is more fun to play than to sit on the sideline. It is way more fun to play than to sit on the sideline. I coached uh, my daughter's soccer team this year. It was the first time to coach little kids sports, and it was amazing. And so I remember we'd go out and we'd practice, and all the girls would do a great job, and, and they, they loved it. And then they got their uniforms, which that was the highlight for these little girls, is to get their, their uniforms. And they'd show up, and they'd paint their hair and have all the ribbons, and they'd forget we were going to play soccer. They thought they'd just come and dress up and, and put on a show. But they would come, and they would play. And so we would rotate the girls through as they played. And there was this one little girl, and I would call for her name. I'm like, oh, come in, come in. And she's like, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm like, well, no, 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 you're, you're in the game. Let's go, let's go. In the, you're, you're in. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just going to sit over, over here. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're missing it, right? You're, you're missing it. You're, you signed up to participate, not to watch, not to watch, because life is better on the field. Life is better playing and participating. And I totally believe that, and I believe that that's what Jesus is saying to us as well. Now, some of us don't serve around here, and I think there's quite a few reasons why. I, I think uh, one reason we don't is because we have this come and see mentality, which we want. We want this to be a place where people come and see. Come and see what is happening. There is no expectation to do you, for you to do anything other than to come and see. Come and see. Trinity has become a place where people come and rest. Where people come and rest. They've been de-churched. They've been hurt by the church. The church has not acted as the church 
should. And I can't believe, for some of you, you're giving the church another chance. Come and rest. No expectation. Come and rest. But for a season, for a season, the hope is that we help you get to a point where you see what God is wanting you to do. But you might be a season of life for all kinds of different reasons that you're unable to. Some of us say we have no time, which I would, I would say it just becomes a time where we have to rearrange our, our time. Some of you would say you're not gifted, which is not true at all. Uh, some of us just like to be comfortable. That's the idea of consuming is we just want what we, we want. And so I want to push against you just coming to be comfortable. And some of you are still just kind of investigating and trying to figure out if you want to buy into what's happening. Now, I understand that. And, and I don't, and I'm not using guilt. So you could hear a message like this today. You could take it as a guilt message and you could sign up. But that will change nothing. That will change nothing. We, we don't want people to serve out of guilt. We, we want people to serve because they understand that it's a better way. All right, so ultimately we care what Jesus says. And so let's, uh, let's look to see what Jesus says and this won't, this won't take long. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love for you to take one. There should be one around you. Uh, we're going to look at John 13. This is one of the last moments that Jesus has with his disciples, the people who are, who are following him. So if you uh, want to write in your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. If you don't have one again, please take, take this one. John 13, 1 through 13. It says this. It was just before the Passover... Feast, And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in this world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Just real quickly, this would have been a meal they would have had every year. They were remembering what God had, had done for them. This is only about maybe 12 hours before Jesus is arrested, beaten, and ultimately uh, put to death. And this is where Jesus is going to show him the full extent of his love. So he's healed people, he spoke uh, all kinds of words of life, but this says that this is where he's going to show the full extent of his love. Verse 2, it says, The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Judas was someone who was following Jesus. He decides that he's going to betray Jesus. He's paid 30 uh, pieces of silver, which is about $12,000 in today's money, to betray Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus knows this. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus was a king. He had all authority and he all, had all power. And let's see how he chooses to use it. Verse 4, it says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. What in the world is, is happening here? Now, this is so counterculture. We don't understand this isn't the day and age we live. Maybe you've heard this before. But during that time, everyone walked everywhere. And people wore sandals, and they would have walked dirt roads. So you can imagine how dirty people's feet were. So they'd be caked in dirt. If they sweat, if they got wet, they would become mud. Animals were in the street. And so feet would have been, some of you think feet are disgusting now, right? Uh, much less, 
much less then. And so what would happen is, normally when you entered someone's house, they would offer you a bowl of water and a towel. And they'd say, here, your feet need to be washed. Here's water. Here's a towel. In some places, they would have a servant who would actually wash people's feet. It was the lowest servant on the team. So you didn't reach a level and you're like, all right, now I get to wash feet. No, 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 no. This is the beginning. The lowest of lows would have given the responsibility to wash feet. And Jesus does this. The one who just said, I'm going to show the full extent of my love. He's a king. He has all power and authority. And he takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you imagine the one you've been following and looking up to and doing miracles begins to pour water in a basin and wash your feet? And so you have uh, uh, this guy who basically, Peter, who says, are you going to wash my feet? And he's like, no, 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 you'll never wash my feet. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus has to teach him and put him into correction. And then Jesus in verse 12 says this, when he had finished washing the feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, the one you've given authority, the one you've said you will follow, now that I have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Let me read that again. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do this, you'll be blessed. He's saying, if you're going to call me Lord, if you're going to say, I, I, I'm giving you all um, teaching and, and you're putting your authority in this person, then you have to do what I've done for you. You, you buy into what Jesus is doing. He says that I've set an example for you. You do it now. You, you do what I've done. Now, this is anti-consumerism. Yeah. This goes against everything that we feel and sense, the idea to serve someone. Some of us find it easy to serve people, but this was the lowest of lows. So, so Jesus basically says, if you can do this, you can really serve and do anything else. But it's difficult. It's hard. But Jesus is our example. Jesus is the one we're learning from and trying to do life like. Listen to a few other ones. These won't be on the screen. I'll, I'll go through these quickly. Here's a few <laughs> other things that Jesus says about serving. Mark 10, 44 and 45 says this. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28 says this, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. This is countercultural. That the greatest among us should be the one who serves. Luke 22, 25 through 27 says this, and he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors. Those who carry the title of king want to make sure everyone knows their king and uses 
their authority. But Jesus says this, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. So Jesus comes as the king and he changes everything and he says, look, I'm not going to come to abuse my authority, but I'm going to serve people. And we looked at this scripture last week, Luke 6, 46, Jesus says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus says there's a better way. There's a better way to live and that's to serve one another. But there's a better way to do this thing that we call church. There's a better way than just coming to consume, and that is to contribute. Because verse 17, if we go back, John 13, 17 says this, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. What he's saying is you're not necessarily going to get a blessing financially or with things, but this word blessed means happy. Look, when you serve other people, you'll find true joy and happiness when you do what he has called us to do. So some of you are at the point of come and see, come and rest. Keep coming, keep resting. But for some of you, if there's another reason you haven't bought in and haven't taken the next step, let me encourage you to do it. Not out of guilt, but because there's a better way. Because Jesus says this is what we should do. So here's just really, really quickly. I talked briefly about it. I want to give you just a little bit of information. These are some areas. These are our main areas where people serve right now. Um, so yes, guest relations. So these are the people who, who take care of you when you enter the building. They're opening doors. They're making coffee. We would love to add people into the parking lot. I don't know if you know this, but Easter Sunday, we had four or five spots left in the, in the parking lot. We'd love to have people in the parking lot helping people find parking spaces and to greet people as they got out of cars to help people with their, their kids. Um, so so if, if guest relations is something you'd want to do, do it. And let me say this. It doesn't matter if you've believed yet. Hear me. That is a great way to serve if you're like, you know what, I'm not real sure. I'm here investigating and I like what's happening. I'd love for other people to come and investigate what's happening. This is a great area of ministry for you to serve. Okay? So, so maybe you're like, you know what, I'm not, I haven't made the commitment. I don't know if I'm a Christian. That's okay. Are you friendly? That's pretty much the main requirement. If you're friendly, we'd love for you to open doors and to greet people here. Uh, worship arts. It takes talent to, uh, to do what's happening, and so that would be encouraged to have talent. Uh, but, but maybe singing, playing in the band, working on the, the tech team. This is a great time to start. We have a new uh, worship arts pastor coming, so maybe you've been kind of holding back and not wanting to take that next step. This is a great time uh, to do that. Uh, we're trying to increase our pastoral care. We understand we need to take care of one another. So when people have surgeries or they have babies or anything happens, we want to care for people. And let me say this. If the pastoral care only comes from those who have the title of pastor, we will only be able to care for a small group of people. I'm going to do all I can to care for as many people as I can. But I'm limited. So if we as a group of people said we're going to care for each other, we can care for a whole lot more people. So maybe this is an area you'd want to be a part of. Now, the next two, uh, we make really, really hard for you to serve in. All right, we have this no weirdos uh, policy uh, when it comes to our, our, our kids and our students, and we will hold uh, to that. 
we make it extremely difficult to work with our kids. Extremely difficult. And so there's this process. You have to be here for at least six months. Then we'll start the conversation. There's background checks. There's interviews. There's applications. Uh, but some of you need to work in children and student ministry. You need to. Not out of guilt, but because there's a better way. Now, I'm going to share something with you, and I don't want this to be out of, out of guilt. But I don't know if you know this, uh, but there's many times that Lisa serves. You saw the, the big kids who were up here? Oftentimes, she'll do that with a couple of students. Just Lisa and a couple of junior high and high school students. That's it. Uh, some of you have large families now, hard it is to take care of your, your own kids. Man, Lisa is pouring into those kids, right? So if there's something on your heart, it's not every weekend. It's not every weekend. We, we would take once a month. Once a month, if you say, you know what, I'll go up, I'll help Lisa. I love little kids. I'll help. And then our students, our student ministry is a little bit different of a ministry because the people have bought into it so much, and it happens on Wednesdays, and kind of like with Blast, they're there every week. They're there every week. And so if you would say, you know what, I, I want to invest in, in students, do that. And here's why. And we're going to talk in a few, uh, a few weeks about this idea of we believe in and will wholeheartedly invest in young people for this reason. Uh, Barna, which is a group that, that does surveys and statistics, uh, they've come up with this. 64% of all people who follow Jesus do it before they're 18. If we were to even maybe do an interview now, most of us were probably introduced to Jesus before we were 18. Many of us took the first step and we thought, maybe we walked away, maybe we took another path for a while, but most of us, before we hit 18, we began to follow Jesus. 64%. 77% do it before they're 21. So before the age of 21, three-fourths of all people who say they're Christians did it before they're 21. 77%. And then 23% do it. A fourth do it after 21. What's happening upstairs, what happens on Wednesdays, matters. Changed my life as a junior high kid. And so maybe you would say you like teenagers. Okay? So loving them is not enough. All right? If you like teenagers, you don't have to be cool. You don't. You got to be someone who cares and likes teenagers. There is an opportunity for you to serve. Ultimately, I think we all want to make a difference. I think we all want to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. Jesus could have come and said, look, I'll take care of it. I'll do everything. But he doesn't. He invites these people to come and to participate in what he's doing. And that invitation is given to you and I as well. Uh, Jim Burgeon, he's a pastor in Denver, says it like this. He says, gifted service is what Jesus did when he washed his disciples' feet. Gifted service is what followers of Jesus do. Your need to serve is greater than the church's need for you to volunteer. Listen to this. Your need to serve is greater than the church's need for you to volunteer. What we're doing right now, it's going to keep happening. Whether you decide to contribute or not, it's going to keep going. But the invitation is so great for you to be a part of what is happening. This is our core value. We, we want to be people who are spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers, because we believe there is a better way. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for uh, this morning. Thanks for uh, what you're doing in our lives. Um, I pray, Lord, that any guilt that was felt this morning that was not of you, 
I pray that you would push that away and people would not even move into that moment. But God, if you are stirring the heart of anyone in here today, would they take the next step? Would they not wait? Would they see that God is, that you have gifted them to do great things? Would you help them see that there's a better way and they would buy into what's happening? God, thank you for all those so many people, so many people who give of their time, their energy, and their resources to make what happens every Sunday happen. So thankful for that. I, I do not take it for granted. I know you have stirred things in people's hearts in the past and they have given their time and energy. Would you help them to be blessed? Would you help them to find happiness and joy in, in what they're doing? Bless our moms today. Would you be with those uh, of us who are without our moms for whatever reason? Would you give us a sense of peace and comfort? Uh, would you be with us the rest of today? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys. See you next week.